Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, it's so hard to believe that this episode, um, I have been waiting for this moment. So um, halfway through the year, and what an amazing year it's been, especially for comfort cases and for so many kids who are in our foster care system. You know, we have really had the most unbelievable opportunity to really build partnerships. You know, I say this quite often that, you know, when I got into the nonprofit world about 10 years ago, I never could understand why nonprofits didn't work together, why we all didn't come onto the island and, you know, put our brains together and really figure out how we can solve problems. Well, guess what? My next guest is doing exactly that. You know, I had a friend of mine call me up and said that there was a nice woman who would like to come into our facility and would um i make some time and you know me you guys know rob Shear. if you're going to come and tour the facility i'm going to be there and sure enough susan silverman walked into our facility now some of you might not know who she is because i will have to tell you i didn't i had done a little bit of research i know she's a rabbi but i didn't know how deep she is when it comes to changing the lives of children and families. So ladies and gentlemen, meet my friend, Susan Silverman. Welcome to Fostering Change. Rob, thank you so much. I'll tell whoever is watching that I sent you and Barry an email recently that just said, I'm so full of love for you right now. And that is not something that I have actually ever done before. I don't think I just felt this, like just this surge of love for you and Barry, who's also um, working with you at comfort cases. And I just had to tell you because it is just, Oh, your work and your hearts are one. And um, anyone who meets you and visits comfort cases feels that. And it's just, I'm feeling I'm like tearing up. Uh, because you talk about partnerships, like how could I not uh, have a partnership with somebody like you and the work that you do? And like you already, like having just met you, I already feel so empowered by you. Uh, well, thank you so much, you know, and I truly do think that, you know, it is our responsibility as good humans to come together and make our community better today than it was yesterday. And, you know, for me, that's just the way I live my life is that, you know, if I can lift someone else up, I actually stand taller. So, you know, let's dive right into this. I want to know, I want to hear about what is second nurture? So second nurture uh, is an organization that partners with communities to help them to step up for kids in foster care. So we sort of started with this question you know, if there are so many people who have considered fostering, right? So according to the Dave Thomas Foundation, it's like, you know, uh, they are the bar, right? There are like a third of American adults have thought about fostering, but very few people actually do it. So we thought like, what is it 
that, what's that barrier? How can we get people to consider it and sort of have it in their hearts from that moment to moving forward and taking some steps and seeing, seeing where it leads them. And we thought, well, you know what, if communities, if people are part of communities and that's an important part of their lives, then what if that community started to prioritize fostering and that if other people from within their community considered fostering and move forward with fostering and we could create a group of people who together could explore fostering, then maybe that would be what was needed, you know, sort of like bring the process to people's door, right? And say, wow, look at there are other people in your community who are also thinking about this. Let's explore it together. And if the wider community then supported that cohort of people who are considering fostering or are fostering. So we started with, uh, with three synagogues in LA County. Uh, and just because there was a rabbi there named Susan Goldberg, who was like, I'm in. So I was like, okay, LA it is, let's start. You know, And uh, we built out from there. And now we've got three communities that we partner with. Between the three, we have about 60 cohort members. And like between, let's say, 45 to 50 kids at home. And each of these cohorts, there are three cohorts, one for each of the community partners, meets once a month, completely supporting each other. And the wider community supports them as well. So if there's somebody who needs something that people in the cohort or our professional social service partners aren't able to meet, we reach out to the wider community and say, hey, you know what? Can anybody here help this family? So, you know, yeah, go ahead. I I was going to say, I absolutely love that because, you know, the statistics say, and, and by the way, that, um, I so much have respect for the Dave Thomas Foundation. Rita is, um, I consider her a friend of mine and, you know, her and I talk and, and I say to her all the time, the biggest issue that I have seen throughout the country as I have, you know, taking this new step in my career is number one, I don't see support for foster parents. Okay, that's that's huge. And we do not see that communities are coming together, really understanding and educating about what the problem is. And, you know, people ask me all the time, how have we delivered over uh, now? I think we're at over 170,000 cases, all 50 states, D.C., Puerto Rico, the United Kingdom. And I remind people that our community, you know, they do care. The problem is they're not educated when it comes to children in foster care. They're not educated. You know, all of a sudden, the first thing, and I, I was I was speaking at an event yesterday, and Susan, one of the things that, that a gentleman walked up to me and he said, he said, before I, I heard you speak, he said, the first thing I always thought about when it came to a, uh, and he called the, the child a foster child, was that it was a child that was bad. There was a reason why he was in foster care. And so what I try to educate and explain to people is that we've got to change our vocabulary. You know, we have to say these are children, because as soon as you say the word children, I don't know about you, my heart gets warm. You know, my heart literally gets warm when I hear the word children. And then knowing that they're children that are experiencing foster care and that they're children that have been placed in foster care because of a choice that someone else makes, the community seems to come together and want to do more. Yeah. I think that's right. 
And that's exactly what you're showing. You're actually giving people an opportunity to come together and actually support those particular families. Right. That's right. And we have actually people who are getting what in LA is called RFA approval, resource family approval, in order not necessarily to foster, at least at this point, but so that they can babysit or support the families who are, right? Because if a child's in in the foster system, you can't just, anybody can't just come and babysit, take care of them. So there's so many ways. I mean, families who are really struggling during COVID financially and that our synagogue partners said, here, come, like, your kids can come to camp for free, you know, like, or um, one family lost their home office because the child came home and they had this little house in LA, right, and the, the home office became their son's bedroom, and within a day, the, they had offers for free office space, which they used, you know. Oh, you and know, the whole like, reason communities were built. Our forefathers built communities for one reason, and that was for us to take care of each other. Um, and I really do believe, and for me as someone of faith, I believe that we really need to start knocking more and more on the doors of our faith communities and remind them, um, because I do believe that they do need to be reminded um, Um, what their social responsibility is to the community, you know, and I think that that is something that we all could come together and do, because I've said this so many times, I don't care what you believe, you know, it doesn't change my end of the day. What I do care about is that you believe in humanity, and that you believe the fact that we need to be helping each other. And if only, and if you look at it, if you look at like, let's say every synagogue, every temple, every church, were to just adopt one child. And I don't mean adopt them as in bring him home, and but mentor that child. Mentor that child with complete wraparound services. You know what? I'm going to make sure that child gets to camp. You know, because I'm telling you, as a kid who grew up in the system, as children who I see go, grow up in the system, they don't get a camp opportunity. You know, I want to make sure that that kid gets to play lacrosse. You know, how many children in foster care, Susan, who don't get to be able to do any curricular activities? And if we got all of our churches and synagogues and everything together and said, okay, one kid, you all are responsible for this. Wow, we could change the whole child welfare system. It could absolutely change the whole system. And when we have multiple families who are fostering, then not only do the uh, adults, parents have each other, but kids see other kids like them, that they don't have to explain why they're new there or why they have another family as well, or why they've been in multiple homes or, you know, all that stuff is understood. One thing that we really lost during COVID um, by having our, our um, monthly cohort meetings on Zoom is that the kids didn't get to be together. And that was a really special piece of it is that they were finally in a place where every, all the kids were like them in a way didn't maybe didn't know if they were going to be with the family they're with long-term maybe didn't know um, where their uh, where their first primary family is maybe didn't you know all of these things were could could sort of just go understood which 
you know, is never the case for them in their lives otherwise. And you're right. You're right about that. It is never the case. Number one, you know, they're always embarrassed, you know, because they're like, oh, somebody's going to ask the question of now I live in another house, you know, or now, you know, I'm living in another family. And so, you know, to be able to go there and let them, you know, basically let their guard down, um, you know, you know, Susan, I truly do believe that each person actually, their passion comes from a place within that has something to do with, you know, a story, something they've done. What made you decide? I mean, because you're you're a, an author, um, you know, you're a rabbi. Um, for those of you who don't know, guys, this is another podcast where she's actually in Israel right now, took time out to talk with me. Um, you're doing so much. And there has to be a place where that came from, where you woke up and said, I have to see change. What was that moment? So I'm not sure what the moment was. It was sort of always in me. I think um, I grew up in a family that fostered, right? So with my biological family, but we, we, uh, my parents fostered two different girls for a period of time and um, for like pretty long time each. And so I got to know kids who were in the foster system who um, lived with our family and who both left one aged out of the system and she just disappeared. Um, even though my parents tried to, you know, keep her closer. Um, and the younger one, uh, who was there afterward, um, was just removed and taken someplace else. And I don't know to this day what the story was. So you don't know, you know, cause I see, so I see that happen so often where children are removed they you know they've been in a placement they've been there for a while they seem you know and all of a sudden they get moved and and a lot of times i've talked to foster parents and they're like i really can't say i have any reason or idea why they just moved that child but you know social worker calls and said guess what you know susie's going somewhere else do you you know do you have there you've never found out why she left or No, but what, I mean, what we were told at the time that I remember is that she had um, siblings and that she was going to be closer with the, to those siblings. I don't know what the story was, but I do remember her being driven away and sort of waving to her from outside the car. And I remember the look on her face that she looked ashamed. And here's this like 10 year old girl with shame on her face saying goodbye and it just really stuck with me like no 10 year old should be ashamed never never and the fact is is that first of all we need to do everything in our power to keep children together as siblings i mean that that it to me you know my husband and i you know we have four kids two different siblings because we refuse to split them up and even though the social worker suggested it we were like there is no way we are splitting these kids up and i think that we need to make and and you know i was talking to a social worker the other day and she says well you just don't understand rob it's it's just way too hard to place multiple children. And I said to her, everything in the world is hard, my friend. Everything in the world. Listen, we're going to be right back because we've got some exciting news to talk about. You know, I talked about in the beginning about partnerships and about how I truly believe that, you know, we all should come together um, because I do think that when a child sees different types of of people coming together, different nonprofits coming together, and they're coming together for the good of them, 
they all of a sudden see that, you know what, the path that I can take is in a totally different direction. So we're going to be right back and we'll talk about that path together. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. So every one of you know, the one thing that I absolutely love is a good conversation. I love whether I'm standing at the grocery store um, or I am, you know, maybe at my kid's school. And one of the things that I learned, and I, I have never forgotten this, but my friend Jennifer Perry from Foster Moore, she said to me she had this entire campaign called the Water Cooler and talk. And I always bring that up because I think when you talk about things at the water cooler, change happens. Well, let me tell you something. When Susan came into our center and we actually sat in the kitchen in front of the water cooler and we started talking about what could we do? You know, what could we do to collaborate together? First of all, I want everybody to understand something. In LA County alone, in LA County alone, we have over 21,000. Listen to what I said, 21,000 thousand children who are in the system. Let that sink in. 21,000. You know, I think about those kids every single day. And that's one county. That's one county. People ask me all the time, well, what have they done wrong to get so many children in there? It's not what they did wrong. Okay. It's not here to push the blame. What we need to do is we need to go in and let them know they're loved. So what Susan and I are going to do, we are bringing comfort cases to LA County. And that's exactly right. It is the first time that we've actually done this, where I will be coming from the nation's capital, be flying into LA, and I'm not coming by myself. I am bringing enough supplies to pack 250 cases. And by the way, guys, that's only a little scratch, okay? So you wanna help? Let me tell you what you can do. Write me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Pledge for you to maybe do a case, another case, another case. Maybe we could get that number over 250. But I have got some news that I'm going to tell Susan right now that she has not heard. So Susan, Comfort Cases has not only made the commitment to bring 250 backpacks, by the way, you all know this is, you know, our comfort cases. It's filled with pajamas and toothbrushes. Um, but you know what, Susan, as I have been doing some research about what's going on in California, and I actually spoke to a couple of organizations, one of the things that I have been absolutely worried about is that our comfort cases is not doing what we want to do, which is to eliminate trash bags and give the hope and dignity. So... I am going to be donating 250 of what we call Comfort XLs. 
These are 32 inch duffel bags that not only will every child, and I'm getting chills, not only will every child get a comfort case, they're also going to get one of these. And by the way, um, these were designed and they manufacture for about $148. And so this is top quality. Each and every child who gets a comfort case is also going to be getting a Comfort XL because I want them to know that they're loved and I want them to know that their backpack doesn't have to be used, but they actually have this to transport their stuff because we know kids transport from one home to the next. And so, yeah, on June the 19th, oh. my friend. Rob, thank you so much. I have chills now. I'm going to cry. Thank you. That's amazing. Well, I do believe that we all should be working together. So let's talk a little bit more because we have some other partners that are going to be helping us out here. Yes, we do. So, uh, so we will be involving our three synagogue partners who, you know, um, not just the cohorts, you know, the people who are already, you know, on some, you know, place in that path toward fostering or are fostering, but also the wider communities. And as you know, like, in addition to the really urgent, you know, need of kids getting comfort cases and getting, you know, uh, bags so that they are not carrying their things in trash bags, you know, uh, it's also a way to raise awareness. So it's an activity that people come and do, and it's meaningful and it matters uh, for lots of kids. And they get to meet you, they get to learn about second nurture and, and maybe see if there's a place for them on that path toward fostering. And so in addition to providing these cases, we're going to also be educating a lot of people who will uh, then, I hope, be moving forward either to foster themselves or to support families who are fostering so that they can continue to do so. And, you know, I, let me tell you, I say this quite often. Not everybody is meant to be foster parents, and that's okay, you know, but every single one of us can be a doer. You know, I talk about this so many times, podcast after podcast. The world is full of doers. It's the way the world goes round. The doers push it, and it spins, and it spins. And so they can do. Let's, you know, there's lots to do. A lot to do. When you're talking 21,000 kids, what about a mentor? What about sitting down and helping them with their homework? What about shooting some basketball? What about, you know, thinking about, you know, I, I my daughter is 17 years old. And she's going to graduate this year. And I remember when I graduated in a system where nobody cheered, nobody screamed, and nobody was there for me. I don't want another kid to go through that, Susan. I want my daughter to walk across that stage and know that her parents are so proud of her and that her community is proud of her. And I want these children to know that. And I think we need to step up, start helping them. Stop, you know, thinking about the number where only 54% of kids in foster care actually graduate high school. Only 54%, you know, we, we can do better. And I'm hoping that this event is going to be able to mentor um, people to pull themselves out and say, you know, what can I do? You know, I can't foster. I'm not ready for that. But what can I do? Because I'm going to tell you something. You and I, we're going to give them a list of things to do. And the other thing that I hope happens, we hear so much negative about kids who are in the system. 
so much that, you know, gangbangers, we could hear about their, you know, juvenile delinquents. And I hope by me sharing my story and talking about the fact that I am the youngest of 10 and I had choices to make. And to make the choice to be a better human is a lot easier than it was to make a choice to be behind bars. And I think that sometimes when people hear success stories, it helps them say, you know what? I think I could do this. I really do think I can do this. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm so thrilled. And, you know, you talk about like the choices uh, that you made, right, to be a better human, to be a good human. And a lot of kids, you know, are more likely to make those choices if they have the support to do that, right? And, you know, so many communities, like every community that I know, right, advocates on behalf of people who are unhoused, people who, you know, mass incarceration, um, trafficking, right? But the foster system, you know, aging of the foster system, that's the number one feeder to all of this. So why are we not going upstream and giving a child, a teen, what the love that their, their soul needs right now. And in the process, just by definition, changing the course of, of society. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're 100% right. You know, I say this quite often. If you look into a child's eyes that is in foster care, you should truly see your future. Your future. Because these are truly the leaders of tomorrow. And instead of thinking that, you know, they should be in cars, I mean, we know that over 80% of kids, the incarceration, 80% of the inmates are actually been or touched by foster care. We know that the homeless population has been in or touched by foster care. We know all of these things. If we just change when they walk into the system, to let them know that they are like every other child. You know, I've said this so many times, you know, there's two things that we could do immediately as a society to help child welfare and children who are in the foster care system. Number one, we need to set every single one of these kids up for financial success, for financial success. You know, I think that if we can give a stipend to a foster parent, we can take some of that money and put it in an interest-bearing savings account so that it accumulates over time. Because, you know, we want them to be reunified, no doubt. But we also know the statistics do not show that we have that high of a number of reunification. We have a higher number of kids who are aging out. So we need to do that. Secondly, we need to open up our education pathways. And I don't mean just pay tuition. We need wraparound services. We need to address mental health. We need to address trauma. We need to address housing. We need to address the fact that they deserve a living wage. You know, there's so many things that we need to address. But if we don't start talking about it today, you know as well as I do what's going to happen tomorrow. We'll build another prison, you know, we'll build another prison, but I'm going to tell you something with people like you, you and I together, we are going to make change. We are going to make change. Listen, January, June the 13th, 19th is the event. 
please, please, please keep an eye out at comfortcases.org's website, um, our newsletter. We're going to be announcing. We are finalizing. I know this is airing before we have finalized the place, but we will have all of that information. It'll be on our website. I know it'll be on Susan's website. It's going to be in our newsletter. You're going to hear me talk about it on social media all the time because we are coming to LA because LA deserves to have this kind of love like Susan has shown me so much. Listen, Susan, this isn't the last time you and I are going to be on Fostering Change. And I just want to say Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the love that you're showing your community. Listen up, guys. I say this all the time. Your community is not your zip code. It's not. It's not your zip code. Your community is our human race. It's our human race. And so many of you will reach out and say, Rob, what, what are you doing in the nation's capital for the kids that are there? I'm doing the same thing that I'm doing for kids in Texas, in Phoenix, in Kansas, and in LA, I am there because they belong to all of us. They're not your kids, they're not my kids, they're our kids, and our kids deserve the best. Until next time, continue to do what I always say, be a good human. Take care. Thank you. I wanna say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.